25th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning is indeed from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18, and can be found in your pew Bible on page 1685. John records, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over, and he looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. And then Simon Peter came along, with, along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside, and he saw and he believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now, Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. And at this, she turned around, and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? And thinking that it was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him, and she cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he said. <laughs> and she told him that he had said these things to her. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. You know, from a 
That first Easter seemed like a day of confusion. However, from God's point of view, everything proceeded according to plan. You know, many commentators have hard, if not impossible, to harmonize the gospel accounts of the first Sunday, the first Easter. And some people come and meet one angel, we read. And then other people show up and they see two angels. And some of the women who came to the tomb had servants. And some of the accounts give the names of the servants and some... In today's gospel, Mary met Jesus himself. It's confusion at Jesus' tomb. But then what do you expect? Truly, what do you expect when, you, when people show up to finish caring for a dead body that's not there? You would expect confusion. And what seems like confusion to the human mind is actually God's finely tuned plan at work. And as we look through the Bible, we see evidence of God's perfect timing over and over again. As people who live in the 21st century, we can look back on events in history and see God at work in the history of the world. We can, we can look back into history and, and see a pattern most of the time, the people who lived through that history, they didn't have the opportunity to see the, the big picture. And it seemed like confusion to them. In fact, the truth is, it is God at work. Now, from the point of view of the people involved in the confusion of Easter, that confusion began on the evening before Good Friday. The people who followed Jesus were not able to deal with his constant predictions of suffering, of death, and of resurrection. These people, they believed that Jesus was their Savior, and he was also, though, their friend. just couldn't wrap their minds around the idea that his death was the very way that he would save them. So when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, they could not see the plan. It looked like confusion to them. But in fact, it was God's finally tuned plan. The appearance of confusion deepened as Jesus hung on the cross. How could this happen? They asked. Jesus was supposed to be the Messiah. How can Jesus be the Messiah while he is hanging up there on the cross? The truth is, that it is Jesus hanging on the cross that makes him the Messiah. Hanging on the cross 
earning forgiveness for the world, the sins of the world, that is what the Messiah came to do. And his followers simply didn't understand yet. Then there was the timing of his death. It was relatively late in the day. And by the time you can obtain an audience with Pilate in order to get permission to take the body off the cross, the Sabbath was almost upon them. And we know that when the Sabbath came, there would be no work, nothing. Not even the work of placing a body into a tomb. So there was confusion. The confusion of a hasty burial in a nearby tomb. The plan must have been do the best that you can before the sun sets and we'll come back and complete the burial when the Sabbath is over. And the seeming confusion of a hasty burial, well, it guaranteed this. It guaranteed that lots of people would be coming and going from the tomb when the Sabbath was over. And these people thought that they were coming to finish, preparing the body of a friend. And instead, they ended up becoming witnesses of an empty tomb. And as we look back on history of these events, we can see that the apparent confusion and the hasty burial was actually God's finely tuned plan. A plan to produce witnesses to the empty tomb. In all four Gospels, all accounts tell us that Mary Magdalene was among the first to arrive at the tomb. And some of the accounts tell us that Mary had friends with her. And the Holy Spirit inspired John to focus on Mary's experience at the empty tomb. And as we follow Mary through that first Easter, we see very natural reactions to a supernatural event. Mary arrived at the tomb while the night, while it was still dark. And given that this is a dry climate and the celebration of the Passover always comes, it always comes on a, fall, uh, on a full moon, Mary could probably see fairly well as she came to the tomb, even in the dark before sunrise. And what she saw was not what she expected. The stone was no longer covering the entrance to the tomb, and there was no body in the tomb. Had someone stolen the body? Maybe the owner of the tomb, Joseph of Arimathea? to move the body to a, a better place. Who knew? And the last thing Mary expected was that Jesus had risen from the dead. And given that Mary did not even consider the possibility that Jesus was alive, she did the very natural thing. She looked for help. She found Peter and John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And Peter and John ran to the tomb. And John was in better shape, apparently, 
because he was younger, so he got to the tomb first. John reminds us that a lot. I was, I was reading today, I'm kind of chuckling, going, boy, he sure made sure that we know he got there first, didn't he? Peter arrived while John was trying to decide whether it was a good idea or not to enter the tomb. And Peter, true to his nature, he went charging right into the tomb. And then John followed. And it was then that they noticed something that added to the confusion. The body was gone, but the burial clothes, the burial clothes were still there. And they might have thought, who in their right mind takes a dead body out of its clothes before moving it? It just doesn't make sense. And from an earthly point of view, things just kept getting stranger and stranger weirder and weirder. And of course, from God's point of view, things are proceeding according to plan. The clothes. The clothes are there without the body because Jesus came back to life and he passed through the clothes just as he had passed through the walls of the tomb. And now that Jesus has risen, he is in the state of exaltation. What's that? Well, that's a state where barriers mean nothing to him. It makes perfect sense that his clothes are laying neatly folded in the tomb. He simply passed through them and he left them behind when he rose. And the folded clothes were the gospel to the apostle John. They were good news to John. The Holy Spirit used them to establish faith in John. He, John saw the clothes. He remembered all those times when Jesus told him and the other disciples that he would rise on the third day. Things clicked. The confusion left. And today's gospel says, he saw and he believed. And although Peter didn't quite believe yet, both Peter and John realized that there was nothing that they could do at the empty tomb. There was really nothing for them to do except go back to home in wonder. And apparently, Mary had returned to the tomb with Peter and John. And after they left, she decided to take one last look at the empty space. But when she looked, there were angels there. And as she saw them through her tears, she asked, or they asked her, why was she crying? And she told them. And then she turned to leave. And as she looked up, she saw Jesus. I imagine her tears blurred her vision so that she did not know who he was. Anyone ever cried? Boy. And the accounts in the other Gospels tell us that she fell to the ground and she clung to his feet, clung to his feet, kind of like a hammerlock. And that may be why Jesus told her not to cling to him so hard. 
The other Gospels tell us that Mary brought some friends back with her when she came back with Peter and John. And in the Gospel according to Matthew, in Matthew 28, 9, we read that they came up and took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. And Jesus then told Mary and the other women to share the joy. Go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. The confusion. The confusion was gone for Mary and the others. Now she understood that Jesus had risen and that he is alive forever. And the resurrection liberates us from the confusion as well. As all of us were born into confusion of sin, we all deserve to spend our eternity suffering in the confusion of hell. And the resurrection means that the work that Jesus did for you and for me on the cross is valid. And just before Jesus died on the cross, he said these words, do you remember? It is finished. The resurrection means that this is a statement of triumph. Your salvation is finished in the risen Lord. His promise to you is sure. His promise to you is certain. Everything that he promised to give to you will come true. Which promises does Jesus keep? Every single one of them. If Christ had not risen, then the suffering and the death of Jesus on the cross would be meaningless. We would still be in our sins. The confusion of sin would reign. We would be looking forward to an eternity of punishment. But Christ has risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Our salvation is sure. You are, we are children of God. And our eternity is in Christ. When the end of this age comes, God will remove all evil to hell. And he will create a new heaven and a new earth. Raise us just as Jesus rose. And he will reunite our bodies with our souls. And he will clothe us in immortality. And we shall all know the joy that Mary shared as she fell to the ground and she wrapped her arms around the feet of her risen Savior. It is in the name of Jesus. Amen. Christ is risen. Amen.